Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome everybody to another edition of the In the Paint Show, episode 175, the first of the Happy New Year 224. Kicking in the new year with a new episode right after these late college football semifinal games. We be shooting on a Monday night right on New Year's Eve. How are you doing, Ani? How are you doing, Chelsea? Man, I'm doing good. Happy New Year's 2024, big year. Y'all got me out here at midnight, my time, but it's all good. We're gonna have a great show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm I'm doing great too, guys. Happy New Year. Um, I had a great 2023, so you know I'm looking forward to 2024. If it could top my 2023, then it's good money. So I'm excited and happy to be back with you guys. So awesome, awesome. Yeah, uh, 223. What do you think about 223, Honey? Pretty crazy. Uh, for me, it was. Maybe not the greatest year ever, but good year. But like, can we catch Chelsea here in two twenty four? Yeah, no, my two twenty three was great. I ain't gonna lie. Like, it was, oh it yeah, was, it was it was a great year. Um, like I said, my money went up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> everything was in a good place. Job security, all that. Everything was in a good place. So I ain't mad at it. Um, yeah. it was oh, it was a crazy year for sure. Uh, yeah. But, for me, listen, if, if 2024, like Chell said, if 2024 is anything like 2023, I'm in a good place. Yeah, exactly. We're going to be good. So we're all blessed in our own ways. For sure. Healthy mainly. You know, we go to these gyms, go to these, you know, go to these events and you people with sinuses, they're sick. And we always talk about that. Like, it's been a tough winter for some people. So glad you guys are healthy and not sick. I had a few people that, you know, basketball. And in the in the industry and stuff, they were sick, you know. They they caught a flu and a couple of family members had bad signs and stuff. Hey, you know, everybody's okay. But Ani, you speaking of money, uh, let's talk about these college football play uh bowl games. I mean, the money you mentioned that you kind of were on the money with that Georgia Florida State game, like, oh, it's all about getting paid, and that game is just bottom out. It just kind of was a microcosm of the whole bowl games minus the playoff. Talk a little bit about that. No, absolutely. I mean, at, at this point, I mean, if you're not in the in the playoffs, I mean, what's the point of playing? Yeah. You, you know, I mean, it's, it's money. <laughs> you gonna have to get paid to play. Like, I'm not going to win a national title, so what I'm playing for? Especially if someone that's going to get drafted or yeah. – no, what, what was it, that one game where the, ki- the kid the, – it was Western Kentucky where the guy was in the transfer portal. He said he's going to hit the transfer portal, and he came in the second half and helped. <laughs> he had like five touchdowns in the half. I mean, this is what we're going to see in bowl games. Like, this is the reality of bowl games now. Like, yeah, it's money. Dude's going to be hitting the portal before the bowl games. You're going to see dudes come in the second half, dress up, 
put up like he <laughs> he did that and he probably got his money up even more for what he did in that bowl game like it's all strategic like all this is about money for these players it's a business this is just college professionals at this point interesting wow yeah it's just changed so much i just the other bowl games especially because that georgia florida state people were kind of interested in it it just didn't mean hey like you know the 27 players or 23 players were out i know you kind of talked about that chelsea like it's something's got to change obviously the playoff games are good the the semifinal games have been good the last few years where they were kind of blowouts in the first six seven years of the thing but the other games it's something's going to change or something's got to change yeah absolutely um you know when i saw how that georgia florida state game was going i'm like okay I see yeah. how it's going to be. I, I have no interest, honestly, in any of these bowl games. I did happen to watch the, you know, sure. the semifinals today between Texas and Washington and Alabama and Michigan. And, you know, th- that was a pretty entertaining game. Both games, actually, kind of went down to the wire a little bit. Um, Alabama and Michigan went into overtime. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think, you know, that it, it, it's not exceeded expectations, but, you know, held up like people will be OK with with those performances. And And I watched and, you know, it was decent. But just in general, like, just the landscape has changed, like you guys said. Like, I'm not, if I'm one of these kids going to the league, I'm not playing either unless it, it, it's meaningful. So there's just kind of, like, no point. So I think the guys that did play today in the semifinals, you know, played hard, and we even saw some injuries there. Like, it, it's 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 right. risk-reward. In, the, in these last right. couple games, you know, guys are coming off the field and very well won't play. Uh, you know, a couple – a guy or two from Washington went down, I think, the running back. So, you know, is, is he going to play in the, in the championship? Probably not. So no. you definitely have to weigh that if you're a high-level player and you have aspirations of playing in the NFL. Yeah, the Washington running back went down with like literally 30 seconds in the game, mm-hmm. right? And they have – now they won, they advanced, and uh, they beat Texas. So they're going to play next Monday night. We'll see his injury report. Um, yeah, that'll be – Ironically, a, a Rose Bowl type matchup, Michigan versus Washington. We talked oh, about that like uh in the last year of the Pac-12. It, it's just so ironic that it's like you have a traditional Rose Bowl type matchup for the national championship. Um, yeah, that, that's just it's not surprising. That Washington's played good the whole year. Michael Penix was terrific in the semifinal game. I mean, he he's just a left-hand quarterback making all the throws just Mm-hmm. Ani, I know you were kind of watching a little bit. And Chelsea, you were locked in. Like, they, they just – Texas couldn't stop him. At the end of the day, they couldn't stop that yeah. offense. So let me ask you guys this real quick. So did the committee get it right? Now that we've had a chance to actually see the four teams that played today, the teams that were selected, I personally told Ronnie when we were kind of going back and forth that I would have rather seen Georgia. Healthy Georgia with the players playing, obviously, than, you know, this uh, Texas-Washington game. But I'm just curious about your guys' opinion. Based on what we saw today – what do you guys think about the committee's, you know, final four teams and, and do they get it right? Go ahead, on. Yeah, I mean, are they the two best teams in, uh, that are in the championship? No. I mean, Georgia should have been in there. But, I mean, I thought they did a, I thought they did a quality job. I mean, look how Florida State got blown out even though dudes were missing. I mean, they were, they were as close as they were going to be, mm-hmm. you know. I thought I, they didn't pick the right, like, all, all four choices weren't right, but – I don't think they did a bad job. I think ultimately they look better than <laughs> than initially, you know, was looked at because you know they left out Florida State and Georgia. But I thought they did a solid job. Yeah, I think Chelsea his point that originally it seemed like a big outcry, but as time got closer to the games and January first, 
people were like, okay, Florida State, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There's a big reaction, just like there's anything in basketball or sports, a big knee-jerk reaction initially. Then as the game goes by or as time goes by, it's like, okay, it wasn't that bad. The games were good. I think people are going to look at it like those two semifinal games were terrific. Uh, you know, Michigan advancing over Alabama in overtime, stopping the run on the fourth down in overtime after they scored. You know, that was just back and forth, 27 20, mm-hmm. and then 37 31. But it looked like uh, Washington was just like in control. They never really trailed, but mm-hmm. Texas made it interesting. You know, they, they definitely make it, made it interesting, but uh, Washington never trailed and they, they were in control for most of the game. So, yeah, we'll see that game on, on next Monday night. Uh, yo, you know, what do you think just about like we're shooting here pretty late on the, on the first? Uh, it, it, can those games just would they be better on separate days? Or it, you know, that's a lot of football yeah. with mm-hmm. commercials, and you're trying to stay involved. I mean, everybody's got to work. A lot of people got to work on the second, depending on what day it is. But are those Chelsea? Should those two games be on the same day? Maybe one one day, one the next, or or is it just hey, it is? If you're a football fanatic, you're gonna lock in and watch it. It's a lot of football. I think they could be on the same day, but they need to start the games earlier. So right. yeah, I'm on Pacific time, and what the first game started at five o'clock, I believe. Uh, two, so it's like, ooh. what time? What time did it start today? The first yeah. game. A little earlier for y'all. Yeah, a little earlier. So like three o'clock, two thirty, and five thirty. But that's yeah. eight thirty east. Yeah, I think. I think the games have to start earlier, and if it's not realistic to do that, because like you said, they're you know they're trying to get up commercials and everything, and then it needs to be on two separate days. Um, today's yeah. Monday, you know, I know you don't want to kind of conflict with, I guess, NFL, but you know, you need to be able to stagger it. And I think it'll, it'll help with viewership and stuff like that too. Like I'm personally, if I'm on the East coast, I'm not staying up till one in the morning to, to watch, the, to watch those games. There's no way. <laughs> you've been big, if you've been big chilling for like a week, week and a half, you know, depending on what days you got to go to work on the second year. Oh, I'm going to stay up till one o'clock to watch yeah. that Washington, Texas game. No, absolutely yeah. not. So, yeah, you know, only Ani's, Ani will do that. <laughs> <laughs> they need to help themselves. Yeah, I would stagger it. You know, if you can't make the games earlier than, you know, two day, a, a day or so apart. Um, just to make it interesting and have it in prime time for everybody. You know, it needs to be basically five o'clock at the latest for the East coast people. So they're not up, you know, all hours of the night. Yeah. Just if you know what to start at 1 PM Pacific, 4 PM Pacific, that just gives you a little bit more leeway, but yeah, you know, great games. Congrats to Washington and, and to, I'm telling you, if Washington wins, I'm going to get a ex Washington football player on the pod to talk about his (laughs) beloved Pac-12. That'd be a good sending off of the Pac-12. Yeah, I just, I mean, I've, we've talked about it, and it's just what a, what a, what a thing to to, to blow, and what a thing to waste. But um, you know, th- let's move over to a uh, little bit of hoops. Uh, you know, again, a lot of uh, fanfare in the holiday season. But before we go to that, uh, Chelsea, talk to a little bit about you know a women's bat on the women's college game. Seems like Juju Watkins from USC, and and just that team in general and UCLA, they, you know, there's a lot of interest. She's a great player. She seems to be, she's headed on to be a really historically good Pac-12 player, I guess. Well, you know, for the last year and, and then we'll see what happens, but talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So a huge, huge matchup in women's college basketball. 
Um, two undefeated teams in USC. I think they're ranked number six and UCLA number two uh, went head to head Saturday evening. Um, great for women's basketball. I mean, that's the main thing that I can say. They sold out Poly Pavilion. Uh, this yeah. is the first time those two teams have played against each other undefeated in like since like I, I can't even remember the exact date, but since like 19, like 87. It's been decades since yeah. those two teams matched up and, you know, were top 10 teams in the country and undefeated. So very highly anticipated matchup. Uh, specifically because USC has the premier freshman in the country in Juju Watkins. Um, yeah. Incredible player, but she struggled. I mean, I, I watched the game from start to finish. I think UCLA at number two, um, just way more depth, more experience. Um, they got Lauren Betts transfer from Stanford. Um, they got Kiki Rice, who was in foul trouble early. But just they just have a lot more notable players on their team. Um, and Juju has some solid players around her, but it, it's really just kind of the Juju Watkins show and – you know, I, I can tell that uh, she's super competitive and she wanted it, um, but definitely kind of forced up some shots that, um, you know, she probably shouldn't have taken. And in a scenario where they weren't all on her, she she probably missed uh, some shots that she would usually make. So uh, I believe she had, I think, 27 points on like 24 shots. So it wasn't her best outing, yeah. uh, but she is 100 percent one of the premier um, just players in the country, even though she's a freshman. So uh, the game was just good for the, for women's basketball. Like I said, packed house and Polly Pavilion, the stars came out. Um, UCLA alum Nina Earl, uh, who is the wife of Russell Westbrook, they were sitting courtside with the kids. Candace Parker was there. Um, a lot of the UCLA alum were there just supporting. So, I, I mean, you love to see it. The game is growing. People tuned into that game. And, and, and that's kind of the trajectory we want to continue to see women's basketball go. Sure, sure. Um, if she was you know just compared to like would she be a top three pick now already yes or, okay she 100 would um and like i said she she's just working her way through kind of just learning and adjusting to the pace and just you know being a freshman but when, it, when it's her time to go to the WNBA, she's gonna be more than ready physically she's ready right now big strong body you know tall yeah. she's she's all of six one so tall yeah. guard um, and just super skilled. But, you know, there, there's still a learning curve and there's an adjustment to make at every level. I don't care what anybody says. Yeah, a yeah. lot of times it's, it's just very difficult to go in, in any new league or upper echelon league and just hit the ground running. And she's done an exceptional job so far. But you see when she, you know, plays a, a really talented team, it's going to be it's not going to just be sweet. So UCLA kind of controlled the entire game. Juju had great moments, good flashes. I think she had 18 points in the first half. Uh, but you saw her struggle a little bit. Um, but just uh, overall, she is, you know, everything that USC has been hoping for. Um, she's getting comparisons to just Lisa Leslie and, you know, Cheryl Miller. And when you're in the conversation with those type of people, like, you know, you're you're just destined to be great. Yeah. Yeah. Ani, any thoughts on that? You know, just any, uh, you know, great player. Obviously, you want to see her do good. In, in I'll tell you this, though, Chelsea. Lisa Leslie, like, she don't play like Lisa Leslie, right? They're just saying that's her. No, just, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, she doesn't play like her, but yeah, you no, get it. I got you. Yeah, no, no. I, I, <clears throat> I got to watch Juju some during, like, the beginning of the season. Like, really, really talented. It's almost like you wish <clears throat> there could be one and done in the women's game. Like, she she can really, really play. <laughs> like, I was like, this is a pro. Like, when I watched it, I was like, oh, she a pro. Like, I mean, it's great for the college game, but like for me, it was like, okay, yeah, this is 
I don't want to say generational, but it's just one of those, you know, when you just see someone that's like, okay, they're a pro and it's yeah. like, oh, they got to play two more years after this year. Like, <laughs> like, yeah. you know, yeah, go win your national title. But she really, in my mind, I look at like the men's game, like, okay, she, after the season, just be done, get ready for the WNBA draft. Like her game, she's very mature. She gets the spots. No, she struggled against UCLA, but just, you know, she she plays with a fire. She also knows how to be poised. She knows how to lead, you know, for someone like her age. That was really impressive. She knows how to play making and creating, even though she has some ways to go, especially like learning like second, third line of defense and stuff like that. Um, but just from her body, skill set, tools is all there. And you're like, yeah. I just to me, I'm like, dang, she don't need to do. She need she can leave after this season. Like, what's the point? <laughs> like, you know, what was the point? That's how I looked at. It. I was like, it's money. The point is to make money. She can man, make I get it. She, man, I honest, I understand. I understand. But she a pro. Like, I like she a pro. Like, yeah. I, 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 I want to piggyback on Ani's point really quick. I I definitely 100 agree that you know she's a pro. She's gonna be a pro. But I personally am a fan of women not being one and done and having to wait and go through the process before they go to the WNBA. And and I and I think of it that way because just the way that the WNBA is set up, it, it's just really difficult in general. There's not enough spots. There's a lot of talented players. Like, it's just hard. The WNBA is not set up for girls to just do one and done and go to the league. Like, it's just not set up that way because of just the way that the league is built, the, the limited space. We, we see top draft kids picks get cut all the time and obviously that would never happen to her but right, that's what I'm, I'm, saying. I'm a fan of the girls going through the process just me personally i yeah. like that they're in college learning growing getting better going through the steps before they make that progression but i i think there needs to be some happy medium to a like okay if you decide you want to be a one or two and uh, like you need good counsel, like you go do that. Are you out? Are you out of basketball? Like that's on you. Like you have bad people on your corner. Yeah, <laughs> my, my point would be, Ani, what do you need good counseling for when you're making seventy five k? Like, what's what? I get it. I, 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 it's, it's a little different. It's a little different. Like you don't. She gonna make a lot of bread though. Like she gonna make a lot of and she gonna make a lot of bread. Like she a pro. Like she like for me, just with her, I'm just like dog. Like she don't need to play. Like can they make the rules just for her? You can be one and done. Like you know what I mean. Like she can be one and done. Like I literally looked at. I was like, man, this is a pro. Like this is a pro. Like I just looked at it. She a pro. Like she's talented. Well, yeah, it's just. Here's one thing I would like, you know, we've talked, we've seen it over the years. We're like, okay, Kobe Bryant had his struggles in his first year at the Lakers. You know, LeBron was like really good and ready. A few others, you know, Jermaine O'Neal sat at the bench for a long time with Portland and he blossomed mm-hmm. in Indiana. It, it, and you see some struggles on some teams recently, like we've talked about Houston and some other young teams. Like I, I, to your point, Chelsea, I wouldn't want to see 19 and 20 year old girls running around the WNBA. It just it doesn't, I don't think it would be the best product. I think the best product is the one they have now. You know what I mean? Like, and this, you know how the NBA went young for many, for many, many years. Like a lot of young teams, and a lot of them don't do good. I, I just, I agree with you on that point. Like, go to the process, get more mature, get in and be a little bit more ready. But three years. Yes, Ani. <laughs> like, oh, you can't do two. She's going to the league. She's getting her NIL. I, I like personally, like, I was talking to somebody else about this the other day. Like, I'm in a, obviously, a WNBA fellowship program with Nike. Like, 
they're able to do this program one because obviously we're not making the money that you know the men's players make too but they're also able to do this program on it because we all have degrees all the women have degrees. Well, you can get a degree listen listen i know a lot of cats that are what it does they go to listen, college no it's how many people do you know really go back to school Ronnie, you get what I'm saying. They just go to the classes. They get sold to do their work yeah. and they get a degree. That's yeah. all because okay. you, you well, part of the alumni. All alumni. of us women have degrees. Yeah. We all yeah. have degrees. Yeah. So I'm saying I love that for us because we don't make millions of dollars. And but not everyone's a one and done. I'm just saying the ones that can do it and thrive, they should be able to go. That's okay, but how many people could really do that? Just it's, one girl in the last. Yeah. Do, do it for her. Okay. <laughs> so like it's like Juju, like you're saying Juju, but then there would be other people that were thinking they're Juju, and like you said, oh my god, they would be bad. Yeah, they would be leaving a good educational thing mm -hmm. where you're saying you're gonna be making to my point 75k, 100k, mm -hmm. 100 you're not gonna be making dummy money. So Correct. like get your degree, you know what I mean? So yeah. <laughs> we can talk you back and forth on that. wants to be arguing with teacher. I get it though, I get his point. Like, yeah, she's that but good. I think. So my point would be, she's not walking into a $1.8 million contract. So I, I don't see the big leap. You know what I mean? Like, uh, fair enough. I mean, you know, that point, like for the, for the financial part. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. she ain't walk. She may, I don't know. Like she could really get some, if she get with the right agent and marketing, yeah. she could get that anyway. She's going to get some stuff, but also too, how many young, like even girls that go to the league now when, when their time, like honey, you can count on two hands, how many girls are going in to the league and hitting the ground running Candace Parker, Maya Moore. Other than that, we've seen a high, high, high level college players go into the W and struggle. Think about it in their first year. Yeah, but she, she Tyler Diggins, Kelsey Plum, like the list goes on and on of people that had to adjust and learn. So if you think an even younger person is gonna come in there and just dominate the league, it's she ain't gonna dominate, but she'll be she'll be pretty damn formidable. I think formidable. Yeah, but that would be what's up. Like at her age, and she did that. That'll be what's up. Yeah, she's uh definitely a hot topic. And you know, not gonna change on his mind. Okay, he got so upset. Look at him, hung up on me after he after he made his point. <laughs> yeah, he'll he'll he'll, uh, he'll be back. We'll we'll keep it moving. But yeah, speaking of hot topic and hot teams and cold teams, and we talked about it on the last one. And you and Ani were kind of pretty critical of Monty Williams in Detroit. And at that time, when we did it, I think the losing streak was at fifteen to seventeen games. That thing got up to like. 27, 28, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. they finally won. Um, and to your point about young teams, team meshing, we kind of talked about that a little bit. You know, what was your reaction to that? Honestly, want, it's good to see a team get off the off the snide, uh, you know, get a fresh breath of air and win one. But, um, you know, what did you kind of uh, give your reaction to that? I mean, I, I was excited to actually watch the end of that game. And I was excited for the players because when I looked at Cade and them's face, it's like, oh my God, like, thank you, Lord. Like we finally, you know, got over the hump. We finally ended this streak. But to your point about me being critical of Monty, I'm still critical. I, yeah. I, I just don't think an NBA team should be that bad. I really just don't. I think they have young, talented pieces. And I just am a fan or a person that believes that, you know, success starts at the top. And if your coach, you know, is not making the necessary adjustments, obviously the coach isn't out there playing, but I, I think the coach matters. I, I just don't think any NBA team should lose 27, 8, 29 <laughs> games in a row. It just should not happen. Even That's the teams that are really bad, Ronnie, that have yeah. 
five, six wins on the season. Look at like Washington or the yeah. Spurs. They're not, you know, winning any games at a high rate either, but they're not losing no 28 games in a row. So, yeah. you know, I'm happy they got over the hump. Um, they've had some close games, you know, uh, it, since then too as well. I know they went into overtime with the Celtics. I think Jalen Brown didn't play that game, but, you know, they were close to kind of winning that game. Um, so th they, they should be competitive though. I, that That is the effort that we should see from them every single night. And if you give that type of effort, you know, and starts with your coach and your leadership, then you're not going to have 27 losses in a row. Maybe you'll do have a, a five game losing streak and, er, you know, every blue moon you win a game. And that's yeah. what should happen if you're in the NBA, in my opinion. Correct. Because you think if somebody's two and eight in their last 10, that's bad, right? But 0 and 10 is way different because mm -hmm. that, like you said, that one and nine or two and eight ends a losing streak. So yeah. if you're winning, even if you're bad, but you're winning every fourth, fifth game, you're still yeah. trying to be, you have like, I'm. we're in the hunt. Let's get better. Let's go on a four or five game winning streak. When your losing streak gets up to 20, 21, I can't imagine what that wild. is. Like, and, he starts, you know. And, and how, you know, how do you not win every fourth and fifth game? Because every fourth and fifth game, though, Ronnie and Ani, you're playing teams that have four or five wins as well. You're playing yeah. Washington. You're playing, you know, like, yeah. it's not like you're playing a top contender every single night. Yeah. So, surely, you should be able to beat somebody. Yeah, I would definitely go in the it, – it's kind of weird because Monty, that team was kind of set up this year to make – kind of like a, a playoff, like outside looking in play. Like that was the expectations with this group. Um, with Jalen Duran, um, Isaiah Stewart, Kate Cunningham fully healthy. They kind of finished the year last year pretty decent where the people thought some hopes of adding Monty Williams, a veteran coach that has won and played in and coached in the finals. The expectations were to be like a maybe 11 C fighting for that 10 C maybe could potentially be a play in. So for them to lose that much, you know, there's a lot that goes into it. Yeah. Like you right, just like coaching comes into play on that. Like the locker room, like keeping those kids focused, those guys focusing together. Uh, people are always trying to figure out what the problem was is because they can't score. Well, they're not a great defensive team for one. They're awful mm -hmm. defensively. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Uh, shooting is kind of inconsistent, but like it just feels like they were like the more they lost, the more separated they were with each other. Mm -hmm. Like, sure. at no point was it like, yo, like, let we got to come together. <laughs> like, it, it felt like they realized they need to come together when they lost what 20 the 27th straight game or something like that, or the 28th, where they're like, yeah. oh, shit, we just made history, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. And it was like, okay, like, but. You should have been like that way, like Ronnie. You said, like, okay, after ten games, you'd be like, damn, man, we lost ten straight yeah. games. Like, yeah. like, oh, we need to come together. Like, this is embarrassing. It's almost like, where's your pride? Like, where's where's some of these things like that are in the place? So I blame the players. I blame the coaches. Like, Monty was supposed to come in, and I'm not saying they were supposed to be a playoff team, but they were not supposed to regress they with regressed. the healthy yeah. team. With with a healthy Kate Cunningham, that wasn't yeah. the point. So yeah. that's that's just very odd. Yeah, because we we talked about that on our last two draft shows, <clears throat> draft show party that we have in in June. And like we like some of Detroit's players. We're like, mm -hmm. this is good picks. They should be better. They're gonna get better. That we I vividly remember us three saying that, and like that ain't happening. You know, it's like right. it's, like you said, they kind of got worse and. Uh, so from the coaching standpoint, I'll ask you, Ani, from a player standpoint, I ask you, Chelsea, like, um, if you're going to 
a bad losing streak? What's the one thing that you remember that stands out about it? Is it just like, do you guys doubt coach or do you start doubting each other or do you bicker or like, is the weakest link the one to blame that gets the big blame? You know, what do you remember if you guys were on a slump? And then again, it may not have been 19 in a row or off losing, but maybe right. you lost a lot of games. And then Ani, like coaching, you know, what, what, what starts creeping in your mind. Like, oh, damn, do my players, you know, uh, do they still trust my word, believe in my word? So, so Chelsea, I'll start with you. Well, I, I've only had one, like, yeah really i guess bad losing season where i kind of finished under 500 like in my professional career and you know to me it was i knew that it wasn't going to last forever because i knew the mentality of the girls in the locker room and i knew the mentality of me like the reality was we just weren't a good team but it wasn't the effort you know it maybe it was the coaching because just coaches overseas in general were at least in the league i'm in you know are just not that strong um, but like you said, it, it just comes down to pride and stuff. Like, like, like Ani mentioned, you can win a game that maybe you're not even supposed to win if you're just playing hard and that's the mentality on that night. So right. that's why I just feel like it's, you know, it's kind of unacceptable because when I look at players who have had really good, like Kate has been hooping, like you can't really say anything about him. He, you know, he wants to win and, and you see that he's trying to rally, but you need those people in the locker room to be with you. And I think if you, like you said, like, Ani said it took them so many games to like wake up, but if they would have did that, you know, a month ago, then maybe we wouldn't be having this conversation. So I definitely think that it wears on you because you're aware of the situation, but at the same time, like, you know, unless you're just never supposed to win in any of these games, which is not the case with, with Detroit, like you have to, it, it's really up to the players too, to just kind of decide that, you know, we're not going to win. And we see in sport or we're, that we're going to win. We see in sports all the time, crazier things happen. People upset people all the time. People win games that they're not supposed to win and, you know, and vice versa. So like I said, I think that it's definitely deflating when you're on a streak like Detroit is. But, you know, at some point in time, you have to decide that, you know, it's not going to be like this with your effort. And and I don't think that they, they've they all had the same type of effort and, and want to across the board, which is why they're in their situation. Yeah. Yeah. From a coach standpoint, I've, the most I've ever lost in a row is three. I haven't had a losing season as a coach, thank, thankfully. Um, <clears throat> but when you when you even when i lose one game it's like man what did i do like what could i have done better this and the third when they got to two or three you really got to look at yourself and like what the hell am i doing like what's going on what these players like hey you do look at the players ultimately because like man i'll I'll just go back like i remember two years ago we played in the session in colorado we lost three straight had no business losing that game right like those games, but it was it was all close games, you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? And the last one, but we you can tell the team was just kind of coming apart. Guys who kept making stupid mistakes, stupid mistakes, and you're like, okay, like why did I keep this dude in the game? And he kept doing dumb shit, you know. Um, you know, does the team still believe in me? Or are they still listen? Are they still listening to me? Because when you start losing games or you give up a lead or something like that, and guys do their own thing or guys aren't you know, just locked in like that, then you got to look at, okay, are we practicing the right way? Or, you know, are are we pre-gaming the right way? You see what I'm saying? So a lot of things, like, for me specifically, I look at myself and, like, what could I have done better, right? Even when you know your players are full of shit. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, even when you know, like, because then you got to be like, okay, well, why are they acting this way? What what could I have done better for them to mentally be more prepared? What could I have said? So, like, a lot of things, even 
as a coach, even when you're not really supposed to take the when you it really ain't your fault, you take you take that like it is your fault. <laughs> you know, if your players aren't listening. You got to find a way to put guys on the court that are listening. Yep. If guys are keep making boneheaded mistakes, you got to teach them. You got to make them. You got you can't put them in situations where they're going to keep making boneheaded mistakes. Mm -hmm. So that that to me is the biggest you know the biggest part when it comes to just the coaching aspect of all that. Yeah, that that makes sense. Um, yeah, that's a great insight there. You know, uh, that's kind of what crazy. Like, you know, there's been a lot of great ball in the NBA, but that was kind of one of the bigger stories in the NBA and since our last pod is, you know, what what was going on there with that losing. It's just, like you said, that's a big number. People, even casual fans will be like, dang, how many? Like 25, 26? That starts like, whoa. And then you see Monty Williams in press conferences. It's just You could tell he's just like, it's a difficult time. You know what I mean? And and that's coaching is a fickle thing, you know. Again, you what you're looked at in one year is not going to be the same. No. In in two or three years, like same thing. Before this team, the the worst team that I can remember, and I remember the record because they didn't win ten games. The seventy, you know, two, what's it, 72, 76 ers were nine and seventy three. Then, like a few years later, they got better. Their sporting circumstances completely changed. That Charlotte Broadcast Group. Yeah, that there were some couple bad ones where like 10 and 11 and whatever, you know, 69 or whatever it is, 70, you know, so it's it's so, so Detroit's three and 30. What, what's your guys' prediction of how they're going to finish the, the season? Woo. They'll win eight games, eight. eight I think because when you know, after when it gets to like the last end of the season where those teams sitting out like eight other guys and stuff like yeah. that, they'll get a couple cheap wins there. Mm. That's a lot. That's a bad record. I mean, because that's you. The, the losing streak. The, basically, yeah. the losing streak was more than a third of the whole season. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. It was. Yeah, ninety games is basically a third. You know, it's just like <laughs> that's a, that's a, you know, that's a insane, right? Forty. Yeah. That's only thirty-five percent of the season down here. But yeah, that's I. Do they get to nine and seventy-three? I don't know, but they can turn it around in the future. I mean, nothing stays the same. Things are always changing. You make the right pick. Get They're too good to be that bad. <laughs> like, like you really think about like they're too good to be like y'all can't be that bad, bro. Like y'all are too talented to be that bad. Like those teams that we're talking about, like that Bobcat team suck. Like wasn't Gerald Henderson the best player? Like come on now, like yeah. Yeah. you know, like that six. <laughs> team, I mean, I can't name not one player on their team. They were awful. Like. Yeah. Come on, bro. Like, well, let me let me ask you guys this: like, in Chelsea, you watch a lot of the lot of games when you when you can, and as a fan, and are like, there's gonna be some. Are the top twelve to thirteen teams, are the teams battling for the the eight and nine and the playing? Are they all really that much better? Like, is is I I think maybe I'm answering my own question, but like, are those teams top teams just all that much balanced and better? Than no, maybe they were in the past. I think that there's a, a handful of teams that are kind of on another level. Um, you know, like I, I would consider them upper echelon in the league. Boston, um, you know, those teams, you know, head and shoulders better. But there's a lot of teams that Detroit should be competing with and winning games against. Like it's just and, and, and I think on any given night they should be able to like I'll use my Lakers, for example. They can lose on any night, like legitimately on any night they can lose. So it's literally just about, you know, who's going to come to play on that day. 
So I don't think that there's so many teams that's just head and shoulders better. You have teams that are better for sure. Denver, yeah. championship caliber teams, the teams that we know are going to be there and be there towards the end. But sure. there is a, at least 10 teams that they should be able to compete with, you know, of the 30 and, and be formidable. So I'm with Ani. They need to win some games. I think they'll be lucky to get to nine or eight, whatever Ani said. I think they'll be lucky to. Um, but I'm hoping that, you know, it could, you know, they can kind of turn a corner because I just feel for the players. I look at Cade Cunningham's post-game interviews and he just looks so deflated and he's, individually he's having a good season. Well, you're not really that great if your team loses every game, but I'm saying individually he's shown really good numbers. He's had, he's had, he's had good numbers. Exactly. So, you know, I, I think, I don't know. I can't see it. They about to start a new loser streak. So it's <laughs> not 27 games, but it's going to be 10. So let's wow. see how it goes. Wow. Good luck yeah, that would be it. tough. If it starts getting another one like 12, 13, it's going to be like, oh, boy. You know, so, uh, yeah, you know, on that note, you know, like just said that 76ers team that went 973, they drafted Doug Collins and they had the another first round pick who was a uh, Raymond Lewis. We had a podcast about his unique story and he never played for the team. But I think the bigger point was that the like, they move on. Teams move on. They got better. They got Dr. J eventually, and they eventually right. won. So hopefully Detroit can turn it around and other teams that have been bad lately, you know, Wizards, uh, you know, he's the yeah, boss. Spurs, Hornets, yeah, you know. Yeah. You know, they've been kind of bad lately. Maybe they can yeah. turn around. I think the Spurs will. We Most people think the Spurs will, but we'll, we'll see. This remains to be seen. So uh, speaking of Kate Cunningham, let's talk about the City of Palms. Ani, mm -hmm. 50th anniversary. City of Palms. We'll go to our Fat 50 spotlight there, uh, talking about some of the top teams. You know, Cade team won the event, a great team four years ago, and then, then we had another great team, Montverde, right. another great Montverde team win. So talk a little bit about that and the event in itself. Man, that was my first year being at the City of Palms, and I, I, I ain't gonna lie, like, it took me a minute when I came back to Texas, just kind of like, the level of basketball, and no offense, like, it was just like, that level of basketball was different. You know, yeah, just from sure. top to bottom. Um, Montverde was obviously really good. They won it. They beat Lou High. That was a really good game. Um, I think Lou High is probably, to me, like, you know, that's one of the few teams in the country that can actually really compete with Montverde. But Montverde still show they're still, you know, they're better. Um, sure. Cooper, Cooper Flag, of course, you know, doing what he does, showing his versatility, really making an impact on the defense and showing improved. Perimeter jumper, Liam McNeely, Dare Queen, uh, Rob Wright, who I one of my favorite point guards <clears throat> in 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 high school basketball. Montverde is just loaded, but I, I was I was really impressed with like Lou High. It was my first time really getting to see them. Yeah. How low they are with VJ Edgecombe. Um You got uh, the brothers. I forgot. I'm drawing a blank. Dil Mingo, Dylan, and Katie. Yeah, Mingo. Uh, yeah. James, I mean, they're you know the kid that's going to Florida State. They're really talented, really well coached. Um, Columbus kind of struggled, uh, struggled some even. You know the Don Bosco game uh, prep. I know they, you know Dylan Harper. You know he really showed I had like thirty nine. And by the way, to me guys like Dylan Harper has an argument as best player in the country oh, in, wow. that, in that class. Like it's some like for me, he's number one. We mm. talk about Kay Cunningham. He gives me Kay Cunningham type vibes. Wow. You know, Dil Dil Dylan's legit. Now, Coop's number one, but if someone said Dylan Harper's number one, I wouldn't argue it. Um, but you also got to see some of the other good teams, Ronnie, like McEachern, like Ace Bailey, 
Yeah. Um, you got to see Caleb Holden, his group, you know, out of Alabama. But I got to see a lot of really, really good talent, a uh, matter day. Um, man, just kind of it keeps going and going and going. Like, yeah, our, every yeah. team's very good. Yeah. yeah, every team was really good, but I would say Montverde definitely linkier was in there. You know, got to see Trey Johnson. I mean, kind of playing more off the ball and showing more of his scoring prowess. Uh, but City of Palms is really good. The team that everyone expected to win did win it. But uh, I think what I really came out with is like a team like Lujai. I think they have a really good shot if, you know, when they go against Montverde again. I think that they're, they're one of the few teams that can actually beat them. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So do you think. Uh... Yeah, you know, I also got uh, people were telling me that Paul the Six looked really good and yeah, yeah, was pretty close. And they so you know, are they Montverde? Are they beatable? Basically, on a good day, are they going to win? Pretty much. Uh, it's, they're they're beatable. It's that front court. I mean, yeah. I think mm -hmm. if you can just handle, if you can be even in the front court, <laughs> I think you can win if you have a high level back court. Not yeah. saying like you know, Montverde has Curtis Givens and they got Rob Wright. They got some talented dudes like up top to bottom, but yeah. I think it's the front court that really makes a difference with Derek Queen, Liam, Coop, uh, Ace and Noel. Like it's hard to match up against them. Like people probably got like two guys that can kind of hold their own, but then they come off the bench and then there's you know, you, you know what I mean, like. They're just so deep in the front court. That's what makes it hard. But I think they're beatable. But the the team's front court has to match even. You're not going to beat Montverde's front court. Like you know what I mean? Like you're not going to outscore them, out rebound them. But if you can be fairly close, and your backcourt play has to win it. Got it. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. You know, um, it was the 50th anniversary. Our guy Donnie Wilkie, the event director. Um, he did a really nice program, you know, uh, him and Clark Francis are my buddy and our former guest. You know, he's been named the all tournament team for the last 30 years. He's been going pretty much every year. And it, it, the program is very nice. You know, I, they sent it to me and they did a story. I want to read it off real quick. They're just talking about like 50 greatest players. You know, they, the 219 Montverde team, they said the five best teams were the 219 Montverde team. Crenshaw 93, which I saw that team play a lot. I was a junior in high school. Uh, Westchester 2001 with um, Trevor Reza was a, off the bench at starting and eventually started with uh, Brandon Bowman and uh, Scott Cutley and those guys. They were very good. Uh, Hassan Adams, who went on to, to U of A. And then Montverde 2013 with uh, Ben Simmons, D'Angelo Russell. Uh, they won their second of the five City of Palms that they won. And then Miami Senior was kind of the team that kind of like, oh, okay, who's, who's Miami senior? So they, Udonis Haslam was on that team. Uh, they beat Mariner, and then they beat uh, in the opening round, then they beat St. Pat's for the for the championship. Hmm. Um, so very, I, I was like, oh, yeah, Miami, he thought Miami senior was the fifth best team in, the, in those last 30 years. So just wanted to read off the, I guess I'll do five or ten, the ten best players that he felt had the best performances there. Teddy Dupay of Mariner. Clay Pearl, I mean, Teddy Dupay was such a good shooter in high school. I don't know if you guys knew too much about him at Florida. Um, five foot nine inch white kid just <laughs> shoot the hell out of it. Austin Rivers, which makes sense. Austin was just like and a mixed legend. Wow. Yeah, Austin had some numbers. And he played in City of Palms a lot because, obviously, he was from Winter Park, Florida. Big baby, Glenn Davis. It was pretty surprising. But 
His team reached the championship game. He's the leading scorer, 29 points a game, and rebounder, 16.3. So University Lab Baton Rouge, Big Baby had a really good tournament. That was awesome to see. Ben Simmons, he had four, which is kind of, you know, don't need to spend so much time on. He was obviously a great high school player. Kenny Boynton from Pompano, Eli in Florida. Kenny Boynton was really a good scorer. I'm sure you might have seen him, Chelsea, at Foothill or one of the Vegas tournaments, if you remember him. That boy could really light it up. Uh, Randolph Childress, who went to play at Wake Forest, he was sixth on the list. Uh, thrilling triple overtime win against Norman Marbury from Lincoln of Brooklyn. That's Stefan's older brother. So Norman was really good in high school. And uh, they beat him on a triple overtime show shot. So Marbury hit a shot with six seconds remaining to make it 68 6, 67. Then Childress hit a three pointer at the buzzer. So a great, great high school player and college player, Randolph Childress. Nick Calathis from uh, Lake Howe Winter Park, great player, 30.7 points, 3.0 assists, 5.0 rebounds when he played. Kevin Love, who was fantastic in high school from mm -hmm. Lake Oswego, Oregon, near where you're at now, Chelsea. Yep. Um, great, great player. 27 rebounds, 27 points against Dominguez in the quarterfinal. <laughs> uh you know, pretty, pretty nuts that how good he was in high school. Um, Sharif Cooper, who we've talked about on this pod before, they led him, they won the championship game. He had 42 points in the quarterfinals against Hudson Catholic. And then Lonzo Ball, who propelled that kind of propelled Chino Hills to that big, huge following they had when they won the City of Palms. Everybody's like, oh, this team's going to be legit, might win the whole thing. And they eventually did and went undefeated. So they had some close calls. That's pretty interesting. And you talk because a lot of people mentioned them, Ani, about like how great they were, and they have three pros, and they had some close calls. And that 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 national championship team could easily have lost, and they did it. So give them credit, thirty-five and zero. But like, they won ninety-one ninety over Jefferson of Brooklyn. Lonzo blocked the shot from like just on an out of bounds play, tipped it barely, and like saved the game. You know, um, they also won an early game against. Uh, is it Troy Lee? Yeah, what's not Troy Lee? What's Troy Lee's brother's name? He got drafted by the Pacers. He played for the Compton Magic too. They they missed the uh, layup. You talking about uh, not Dylan or what's his name? Yeah, bro? I'm saying Troy Lee, but that's his older brother. He yeah, played I know you're talking about TJ. Yeah, TJ. Yeah, TJ. TJ was really good. So they they TJ <sighs> threw a pass to his teammate wide open, missed the layup. So that I mean that's how quickly how close things can be mm -hmm. in terms of like. Oh, this team's great. They have this fanfare. Like, I because if Chino Hills loses the game, maybe some of that like following doesn't happen. Right. You know what I mean? So it's very interesting. So I wanted. To, I mean, obviously, can't read it all, but if you guys get a chance to check it out, people out there, you know, fifty years of that tournament, those were the top ten guys. But pretty awesome. Um, Chelsea, how did it? Uh, let's switch gears a little bit. How was the tournament you went to up in Le Schwab and anything else you saw? Yeah. Um. So I was at Le Schwab this past weekend. Uh, it was my first time there. So, you know, honestly, I had an overall good experience. But, you know, Ani just made the point about just high level hoops all around at City of Palms. And I think it was not so much the case uh, in Le Schwab. Obviously, um, a long time tournament here, probably the most popular tournament um, in okay. Oregon. But they really tried to cater to some of the local talent, you know, like sure. local high schools, local schools. So it's a it's a decent mixture of uh kind of skill level, I guess, in my, in my right. opinion. So we had a couple premier teams, Harvard, Westlake, um, Columbus, obviously was here, uh, Perry out of Arizona. 
Um, but just in general, a, a lot of local schools too. So Beaverton High School, who you know had some competitive players, but overall, I don't think that it was super competitive top to bottom until the last two days, the semifinal games. Sure. Um, but the championship ended up being exciting. It ended up being uh, Columbus versus Harvard Westlake, and there was a lot of high level players on the court. Um, sure. I'll give kind of like a little recap of kind of just what I saw. Uh, Harvard Westlake, obviously led by Trent Perry, going to USC. Uh, he had a very solid tournament. I mean, just leadership, shooting ability. Um, he's a high-level kid. Um, definitely was impressed with him. But I was actually the most impressed with his teammate, I believe, Nicholas Kamenia. I think that's how you say his name. Um, just the skill set, the poise, made a lot of big shots uh, for Harvard Westlake over the weekend. And he was definitely uh, ended up finishing all-tournament team. So he was somebody that was special. Um, on the other side in Columbus, who actually ended up winning the game at the buzzer, went down to the wire. Uh, yeah. When I feel like Harvard Westlake pretty much controlled most of the game, Columbus was able to squeeze it out at the end. Uh, the Boozer brothers, um, obviously, you know, great players. Uh, Camp struggled a little bit to me. This was kind of my my first, um, I guess, championship game watching him. I got to watch him a little bit previously uh, in the semis and the quarterfinals. Um, but just the pace of the game was going really fast. Uh, I felt like he was just a little bit too much on the perimeter when he could have just kind of dominated inside. But the way that game was going, he he was kind of settling for jump shots. And not that he wasn't effective, but I felt he could have been a lot more effective if he was just in the paint. Um, they had Jimenia guarding him. Obviously, he's superior in size and probably the biggest kid on the floor on most nights. So, yeah. you know, I, I feel like you should just get your bread and butter, you know, under the basket. And I, and I think that he could have did a lot more of that. Um Really impressive guard play from uh, Jace Richardson. Uh, one of, you know, the wow. two Richardson brothers play for for Columbus as well. Um, yeah. Jace, the older one that's committed to Michigan State, I believe. Um, yeah. And his younger brother, Jackson. Jace, he's, he's high level. I mean, just the poise, uh, shot-making ability, craftiness. Um, I'm, I'm a fan of this kid. And, and what I find interesting about him is that he, he's a natural point guard, but he plays off the ball like with that team. He's playing more... Um, combo alongside Peyton Boozer, um, but he was he was pretty impressive. Uh, he made the all tournament team as well, um, and it just it was a good scrappy game that went down to the wire. I think the last shot um, kid that's going to Harvard, I can't remember um, his name. Ronnie, maybe you can help me out. Shot at the um, yeah. Um, yeah, so just high level game. Uh, I wish I would have got those type of games throughout the entire weekend, um, but it was just kind of, you know, very, very top heavy. And it, the, the two best teams were in the championship and you could make a case that either one of them could have won the tournament. So um, I, I enjoyed my time there. I thought it was pretty good. Awesome. Real quick, the last sequence, because you kind of put it out there. People saw it and and uh, so Harvard Wesley, they score and then uh Richardson throws a floater. It was off, but Malik Abdullahi kind of put it back in and to give him the winning points. But then what happened after? Did Harvard Wesley call a timeout? And then. Yeah. So it was actually Caden, Caden Boozer drove right hand side, um, high floater. Didn't really like the shot, but it wasn't even close. And him actually missing that badly was what allowed Malik Abdullah to be able to get the rebound and put it back in. But yeah. after that, um, the clock kind of they kind of let the clock expire. But when they went back and reviewed it, they saw, OK, there should have been, you know, two seconds um, left as Harvard Westlake called a timeout. Well, I guess there was some type of miscommunication or whatever, but they called the timeout. Harvard Westlake went into their huddle. 
Coach drew up a play, and when basically the play that he drew up on the baseline was for the inbounder to be able to run to the other side of the baseline and make a cross-court pass or whatever, probably trying to get Trent Perry or somebody on the move who could, you know, give a last-second heave. Um, but once the kid took a step, the, the ref on the baseline called a violation, and the coach was livid because he believed that, you know, his player had the ability to run. Yeah. And, you know, so now the coaches and the refs are kind of like looking around, going back and forth, trying to like figure out what's supposed to be the appropriate call. Um, I guess the coach believed that because he like the timing of his timeouts, that it should have been uh, they should have had the ability to do so. But the, the refs waved it off. So wow. with two seconds left, Columbus actually got the ball back under the basket. They yeah. inbound the ball. The refs don't call anything, even though the kids are slapping, trying to still get yeah. a foul. Wow. And they let, the, they let the clock expire, and, and that's pretty much how Harvard Westlake lost. Wow. Yeah, because <laughs> if, if Malik Abdullahi made the shot and you call a timeout, ain't that you know, a live ball? You could move, right? I, I thought that it would be a live ball. And if I was refing, I would have said, I, I don't care. Like, these, they're going to play out these last two seconds. I'm not going to let the game end on a terrible call by me or, or whatever. But yeah. the coach was clearly confused. Like, Whatever, wow. I don't know if he asked or whatever, which from his reaction, it feels like that's 100% was his assumption or what he thought. Yeah. But that's how the game ended. Like Harvard Westlake didn't even get an attempt, didn't even get like anything. I, I didn't like the ending at all. Um, yeah. And it was tough because I felt like they controlled, they controlled 90% of the game. Um, it was pretty much back and forth, but I, I didn't feel like they were going to lose. Put it that way. Wow. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Harvard Westlake would still be the number one team in California. Obviously, Columbus is a good team, not a great team. Mm -hmm. uh, right now, they're not playing like a great team. Honey. They're playing, like you said, a good team, very good. Maybe they'll pick it up. You know, um, yeah, that's uh, very interesting. And, and uh, Ani, let's talk about some of the players we saw, and I, I could jump in there as well. But yeah, just in a, like in a, in a scattering report, anybody over the last two weeks, obviously there's a lot of games. Obviously, a lot of, um, you know, a uh, lot of, uh, you know, games, endless games. I mean, we can't talk about them all, but, you know, I went to a couple of tournaments. You went to places. You played in places. Just talk a little bit about that and maybe a couple of kids that caught your eye. I'm just going to highlight for me, <clears throat> and then I'll name some, you know, some other guys. But the top four in 2024, I feel comfortable with long term. Okay. Cooper Flag, Dylan Harper, Ace Bailey, VJ Edgeco. Mm -hmm. Um, I think in my opinion, like you can say maybe V I don't know. It, you can say maybe VJ, like the other three, then maybe VJ, but like in my opinion, any of them could be number one. And sure. I but I do feel good in a long term watching the kid like I talked about Cooper already. I talked about Dylan Harper and his poise, his ability to, to create and score. He's not the quickest of guys, but he knows how to really use his size to generate space, and he knows how to make reads quick. He, he's becoming a better three-point shooter, and I, and he's very stable. He can take really hard coaching. Like I think there's some real long-term you know, NBA basketball bloodlines, all that. I, I, I look into that. I think he's going to be very successful. Ace Bailey, you know, with his size and be able to score the basketball, uh, sometimes can be it'll be a little bit questionable with his shooting, but like his athleticism, his pop, how high he gets off the ground to shoot, you know, the way he competed. I was really big on the way Ace competed. They were losing Don Bosco pretty good, 
and oh, wow. they, he kept playing like he kept playing like his mm -hmm. energy his leadership his communication and he was still scoring still making trying to make a run into it i mean we've always seen the talent with ace i really like how much he competed winning losing even when his team's up by a decent amount he's still on it um and with this motor that was huge for me uh vj Escom, i mean probably the best wing defender in the country regardless of class wow. his athleticism you, you know obviously just his vertical pop really sticks out how he just rebounds he skies for rebounds he can push the floor he can make open shots jumper looks pretty smooth especially off the catch becoming a better movement shooter um i'm really comfortable with those four like in 2024 right. like that class those four have kind of really to me branched out um some other guys like i know 227 is early but like jeremy jenkins i was really impressed with here i think he goes to west minnesota i could be wrong i forgot what, what but 227 about six seven skilled uh saw him in eighth grade uh in dallas uh played with that florida rebels eight grade groups grown like two three inches he's like your skilled four man that can pass you know score with back to basket with like footwork and left and right hooks um <clears throat> hits a mid-range uh spot up in uh pick and pop threes um yeah man he was really good alice costanza was really good you wow know, he showed why he's one of the best 226s just real smooth uh plays with a lot of poise and pace i know we talked about poise a lot but like his pace and just his ability don't get rushed and get into his mid-range pools and you know feed guys like he has a real knack of like pulling up like he's about to shoot it and making those passes and like you know and then finding the guy and just a jump passes like everything will just look really clean so him jeremy jenkins obviously the four and 224 uh cameron boozer it's funny that chels talked about him and uh as regards to like selling for like perimeter shots and yeah. that's kind of the thing that he did like he was doing he was selling for a lot of jumpers uh he has stretches where he really dominates the paint and mm -hmm. i think you know what made cameron so dominant even though he can still like i'm we're saying this and then like we look at his stat line he probably had like 18 and 15. You see what yeah, I'm right, saying? Right. But like what made him so much more efficient was because he had a he wasn't trying to show he can shoot. Mm -hmm. he, so yeah. he was really making his presence known in the paint. And then also let you know, like, if you leave me open, I'm gonna knock this down. Like every time. Uh and that's something I, you know, just finding that balance. And he's young, so like it happens. Mm -hmm. But yeah. like getting back to that blend that he had before, I think is really going to help him. Um, other than that, like, you know, I was just really impressed with the talent. Some guys really caught my eye. There's a kid named uh, uh, Juan. Um, I don't know how to say his name. He's a Asian kid, ch Chinese kid, um, lefty. He plays, um, I'll get the school name, but top 30 player in 226, seven foot, wow. skilled. Mm -hmm. score around the rim they say he's been playing basketball for a long time you can tell just like some of the cross-court passes he makes like in the post and stuff like you know that's not something you just pick up a ball and <laughs> you know as a big right. moves moves well on the floor mobile can hit an open jumper from time to time he was someone like from a long-term perspective i think he's going to be in that 
five stars type range if he just continues wow. to develop and play through contact. I think that's the next like immediate uh, need for him to do was just playing through contact. Great. Interesting. That's a lot of great names. I, I would add, um, like you said, we're, 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 you, Chelsea's mentioning Boozer and you are as well. And it's like, yeah, we're, we're making it with in perspective that he was a national player of the year as a sophomore. So it's not like he's bad or, you know, right. we're, we're grading him different. Let's be honest. We're grading him different than 99% of the other high school players out there. 100% because he's that good. You know what I mean? So we want to see him continue to progress. And sometimes that happens. I mean, I don't know. Sometimes you look at a high school player and you're like, he's just that good. How much better is he going to get? I, I've had that. You know, that's happened before. Right. Um, you know, you, you're really good at 16, 17 sometimes. That's good. It's That's who you are. And, and, and where do you go from there? I've, I've, obviously, there's some guys that, that um, you know, you're like, man, I don't know. Then that's If we all knew, we'd all be expert. You know, we'd all be right. <laughs> general manager of the NBA championship team every year. But, like, that's motivation you mentioned. Like, look at the NBA. We just talked about that with Monty Williams and those guys. We know they're pretty good players. I mean, it just – you know, motivate. You don't know for every guy how he's gonna be motivated for long the next ten years. What 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 uh you know gets him going? You know, some guys just kind of float. I've, I've we've talked about players like that that I've seen over the years, and they, you're just frustrated with them, like when they get to the NBA. They, you know, they're just okay. They're not like dang to the next level. I think again, not to call anybody out or any, you know maybe there could be a million reasons. Like I thought Darius Miles was a little bit like that. You said in high school it was like. Hey, he was a top three pick. Then, oh, God, he just was okay. You know what I mean? Right. And, but that's okay. He's still really good. Like, he wasn't a terrible player, you mm -hmm. know? So, I, I think that's going to unfortunately be the thing with Cameron Boozer more than, than Caden. Because Caden is like, people think he's getting better. If you're the best player in the country as a sophomore, like, what are you going to say about you when you're a senior? Unless right. you're getting 50 and 20. You know, like, and that may be the case, you know? So, yeah, for just for me, I don't want to spend uh, too much time because we went all over these names. So, we appreciate you guys sticking with us on episode 175. But I, I want to mention so much happened, like, between Tark and the tournaments I went to would be the Classic at Damien and, and the Holiday Classic. And you can check out the write-ups on ballslife.com. We have some, some good detailed but like St. Pius 10, Matthias, which is not very a school not very far from where I grew up and where I live in LA, like down in California, you know, they had a really great run. Um, they mm -hmm. won the tournament. They beat Desert Mountain with the House Brothers in the finals. And Ani, I remember we talked, me and you talked about them at Hoop Hall. Caden <laughs> <laughs> House was even better at Tark than he was at Hoop Hall. Like, was he really? That dude's a bad boy. Caden House is a bad boy. boy. You know, yeah. like he just gets downhill, and he he had an injury in the senior. I'm sorry, in the in the fourth game in the final, he he got tweaked up, and he didn't start, and it cost them Desert Mountain ten points. They were down 10-0, and that basically was the game because they lost mm -hmm. by about ten. So he didn't see he he was tight, and you can see he had a little bit of his of his um ex normal explosiveness wasn't there. Like you know, he maybe was at eighty percent. Or seventy-five percent, so it affected him a little bit. Mm -hmm. but he still did good. He had thirty-nine point game. I mean, he was—he's a really great player for two twenty-six. Again, um, you know that's the son of Eddie House, and he has a brother, Kalik House, who's really good in his own right. And so he's a high major player too. <laughs> correct. And then, 
So they are, nobody knew they were going to be that good. St. Tyson, St. Matthias. Now, Tyrone Riley's a hell of a pickup they have for USF. He's going to San Francisco. Great recruit for them. Uh, he's, he's doing great this winter. And because of that, they were in the second division at the Damien tournament. Right. Hmm. So they're not in the, they're in the top division at Tark. They win it. Nobody really expected them to win it at the beginning. But then you go to Damien and they lost, they lost twice in the second division. Wow. Every tournament's a little different, you know what I mean? And different makeup, like you said, different refereeing. The California refereeing's a little different than the Vegas refereeing, and I know Oregon's refereeing's different. You know, those games oh. are going to be losing Awful. <laughs> <laughs> I was mind blown. Wow. Well, yeah, because some states they let them play, or maybe you're they're used to refing really high level players. And some states, there's not that many high-level players. Like, honestly, yeah. there haven't been that many high-level teams and players in Oregon lately. So maybe that, you know, that can affect it. And if there's no shot clock, was there no shot clock? I don't no, know. No, there was a shot clock. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Okay, so, yeah, you know, it, it's different. So they lose the two two games at, at Damien. So Braden Burry's one of the best 225s in the country. Ani, I know we've talked about him. They won the Classic at Damien. They beat St. John Bosco. Um Brandon McCoy had a really good semifinal game, and he was kind of bottled up in the final a little bit, held to 13 points. Um, Isaac Williamson, a 225 from uh, Roosevelt, which is Braden Burry School. They, he did a great job, 6-1. Just could defend him just enough. Now, obviously, Brandon's a great high school player, and he, on, he's really good, as yeah. you know. And, like, you didn't stop him, maybe, but if you just put your hand up enough to – you know, contest the shot, maybe keep them off the offensive glass, just the little things. It, it slowed them down just enough that they were able to win um, that tournament. Down at Torrey Pines, Carlsbad, a local team, won the tournament for the first time since 2001. Mm -hmm. Darnay Duckett is a really good unsigned senior for that group. He also won, I believe it was the uh, Spalding division at Tark on a three-pointer. His team won, Darnay Duckett, Carlsbad. They won a division at Tark and they won the big division at Torrey Pines. They beat Faith Family on in the final, and it's Faith Family is kind of snake bit. Um, you know, they they made the final twice now in the last three years, and they've lost in the final. Uh, they didn't look like no eight and eight five hundred team, honey. I, I'm not really sure what the deal is there with Coach Brandon Thomas's team. They got some talent, and I, I wanted to, yeah, I wanted to spotlight um, one guy on the team who I thought was very good. And Isaac. I don't know his name, and I just Lamont Hartfield. Oh, Lamont, so yeah. Twenty-five and uh, Isaac Williams, right? Isaac Williams going uh -huh. to fifty, and um, they 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 did a good job at the game I saw because I went down there and they beat Jay Sarah, which it was a Colorado versus Colorado game commit. You know, it was um right the kid Sebastian Rancic versus Dorian Akucheka. So that was a mm. good matchup. So, yeah, a lot of basketball. I wanted to shout out the 227s, a couple that I saw in a few names, and we'll get out of here. You're talking about 227s, Ani, uh, from San Gabriel Academy. Uh, Mamadou Diop, I believe he's from Senegal. He's going to be a really good prospect down the line. And he has a teammate, another ninth grader, Mohamed Tori, here in uh, Southern California. Uh, San Gabriel Academy, those, those young players are very good. A couple other young players I saw are guys that are on the radar that, that should get some mention. Uh, Keandre Morris from Curtis in Washington, 227 point guard, did a really good job. 
Um, Sincere Hudson from Sacramento Intercom, 262-227. He's going to be a player to watch. Uh, I also thought Pius won. A uh, big reason why they won at Tark was Tariq Bridges, 65-225. I think he should get a, a mention. And there's a bunch of kids. So we mentioned a bunch of them in, in, in our write-up, so make sure you go check those out. Uh, Luke Isaac, congratulations to him. He really helped himself at uh, the Classic at Damien. They won the second division, which is the gold division, San Ramon Valley, 6'4", shooting guard. Shoots really well. Just did a really good job. So just I'm just happy for all the players that kind of helped themselves mm-hmm. in this three-week span. Um, you know, that it's a lot of games. People are tired. And then, you know, we got to stay up till 1 o'clock to watch <laughs> uh, Texas and Washington. So as we close out, any quick predictions on that? Anything you guys are looking forward to? I know we got some good episodes coming up. We're, we are obviously going to uh, talk about Chelsea, a little bit about the transition for you. And we're going to talk about that. Pac-12, and, and, and this high school season is going to go fast. But anything else you guys wanted to mention before we close out? Nah, man. I'm excited about Hoop Hall. I'm, com- I'm yeah. going to be in Springfield, Massachusetts. It's going to be cold as hell, but it's going to be uh, yeah. going to be good. It's going to be a lot of high-level basketball. Um, yeah. Really just excited, like, you know, <clears throat> college basketball kind of getting into conference play. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm really, I just kind of watch that, especially Big 12, obviously. I'm out here, so, you know, um, just kind of seeing that seeing what that like conference championships turn you know in ncaa tournament i'm excited just yeah, about all that i think we're going to see more of what we saw last year when it comes to march madness you know especially when it comes to that lead eight and final four where teams we have you know no business you know we didn't think ever had a chance to be in there will be there and also you know, I, you know, what I'm interested in just looking forward about it just uh, with the transfer portal, kind of what happens with that. Like, you know, right now, kind of space where guys can transfer multiple times. You know, I know yeah. the court still having to kind of figure all that out. So um, just kind of looking to yeah. see what, where, how that turns out, how that impacts, you know, the transfer portal season. I know they're going to probably try to dwindle the days where, guy, where guys have to make, uh, you know, their, make the decisions. But um, it's going to be an interesting time. Yeah, no doubt. Um, Chelsea, I don't know if you got anything I wanted to add. Mention that there's no April live period, and that's to what you're saying, Ani. The transfer portal is more important. They need to host visits. The, the, the coaches don't want to be out, so they moved it back to May, which was a smart move. And mm-hmm. and, and that's where we are. And to your guys, both your points, I think that's what 224 is going to be about. What's college sports going to be like in the future? Mm-hmm. And I think we're going to follow it and give you our best input that we have and get some some guests and talk about it that know maybe some of the, on some of the topics a little bit more than us and, and I'll be good. But yeah, it's changing constantly. So we thank you guys for sticking in, but for now we're going to get out of here. Take care. And we'll talk to you soon. Happy new year's to two twenty four. Bye guys. Peace out.